Um, would you mind if I just get Carrie Ann up to say hello? She hates it when I do this. But when I get Carrie Ann up to say hello, it, it is about her saying hello, but it's also just to give me some space to look at your faces while she does that. Good morning, everybody. Well, I am Carrie Ann and Martin's wife. Um, we have two beautiful girls and we live in Adelaide in South Australia. Um, but I was just praying for you guys yesterday and I just felt God just dropped something into my heart. He just reminded me from Leviticus chapter 10. There's a story there about Aaron's sons. And Aaron's sons are priests and they bring um, an, a sacrifice to the Lord, but it's the wrong type of incense that they bring to the Lord. I don't know if you know the story or not, but they bring the wrong incense to the Lord to burn and God takes them. He kills them and Aaron is left without these two sons. And Moses explains it to Aaron and then, um, and then Aaron's at peace. And I read that and I didn't do an in-depth Bible study into what they brought and why it was the wrong thing or anything like that. But at the time I just thought, whoa, God, that's harsh. You know, like at least they brought an offering, you know, they did something. But I just felt God say to me, we're coming to a season when I'm going to require more. I'm going to require a deeper level of listening and hearing and doing what I require you to do. And so I just, yeah, I was just really encouraged by that, that actually, you know, God's done amazing things. And we were really fortunate um, at the conference. We heard the incredible testimony of Hannes from Milk Boss Congregation, um, which just blew my mind. And in all honesty, I was sitting listening to his testimony and um, I don't know if you all know his story, but when, the, when it all comes online, I encourage you to listen to all of it. Even if you were there, listen to it over and over again. But his testimony was incredible and he shared, he was very vulnerable. He shared in his own life the sin that he'd been living in. And I listened and I thought, whew, I'm okay. I have not done anything like that since I've been walking with God. But God just reminded me, no... I'm requiring a deeper work. You might not have done that, but there are things in your life, Carrie, that I'm trying to work out at the moment. But then I just read in Jude, yesterday and this morning, it says, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And I just feel like we're in a season, there's a battle coming, and we need to be refined and ready, swords ready, lives ready to contend for what God is calling us to contend to. And this that sounds a bit heavy to me, but then I got to the end of Jude, and it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only, I love that actually, with great joy. He's going to present you with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. And I just want to encourage you, God is doing an incredible work in each and every single one of us. Let's refine ourselves so that we can be presented before the Father with great joy, living in the fullness that God is calling us to and excited about what he has for us in the future. You can laugh or be happy or something, show something that you've got some joy in your life. That's better. All right, Luke, it's good to have you guys from Perth here with us. Australia rules, mate. <laughs> Come on. 
Um, uh, we, we've had, we really have had an amazing week, uh, or actually for us it's two weeks. I think this is our um, 23rd meeting in like four, uh, 12 days or something like that sort of thing. So, so you know, my head's a bit blown and, I, and I'm not sure whether I'm coming or going. I know tomorrow morning I'm going, so I have to remember that. Otherwise, I'm in big trouble. I want to actually look at a scripture today. Um, if you can put that one up for us, thanks. Lorian, just from Romans chapter 15, and I want to explain um, a little, actually, have I given you the wrong verse? Is that Romans? What have you got there? Oh my goodness, how did I do that? It's the main scripture. <laughs> this has happened already this week? Ian did say to me this morning, it's going to get messy. Um, so I'm just trying to help you along with that, you know. <laughs> um, while I'm looking that up, you know, I've been teasing Nadine all week, haven't I, Nadine? Hello. Hello. And, um, uh, oh my goodness, where are my notes? My iPad's not working. Nadine, while you're there, I just felt like um, uh, this is weird for you, but um, because it's sort of like, this is, just seems like the wrong word for you. But I felt like the Lord just saying when I was mucking around with you that He's actually going to loosen your tongue and actually there's going to become a more refined message that starts coming through your life and that in that message that, that it's actually going to be something that is imparted to others and it's sort of like as He loosens your tongue, He loosens others around you sort of thing and there's going to be an overflow into other people around you. So that's cool. So you can have that for free. Um, <laughs> although Carrie might send you an invoice later. <laughs> what did you... Oh, my goodness. Let me... Give me... Oh, my. Hey? Romans 5. What did, what did I have up there? This is obviously not the word that's meant to come today. Ah, oh, yes, that's it, I think. Um, let's read Romans chapter 5, verse 15. Can you get that up? And, um, and then uh, we will go from there through to 17, I think. All right, but the free gift, see it? Actually, while she's doing that, the other thing that I felt this morning was... I looked around the building and I just saw these two pillars here. I can see another one at the back now. And I, I love church plants. I love new things, you know. It's honestly like Carrie-Anne hates it because I often say, oh, I'd love to plant a church again, you know. And she's like, no, not that again. Um, no, not really. But, uh, but I honestly felt like God's saying in amongst that that he's going to add many, many, many more pillars into this congregation and, uh, and then I looked at these little building blocks along the edge of the wall here, and I just saw them as God adding people, building blocks, adding, adding, adding. And I'm looking around this room, and I'm like going, there's hundreds of these things around here. And I'm like going, God is going to do something great amongst you guys. Do you believe that? Yeah. And so I think what we see here, it's not even really small beginnings. I miss the small beginnings or whatever it was whenever it happened, um, but here is now God actually compacting a city together 
uh, you know, Jerusalem is a city that is tightly compacted together. He's compacting us together, or you together, and He's going to build something that reflects His glory and majesty in this house. So that's cool. Um, that one I will charge for. I'll speak to you later, Ian. Um, Romans 5.15, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of God of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Verse 16. Am I putting down to too much? Let me read it. We will, um, and the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment follow. Actually, I'm not even sure if you've given me the right one, Karen. Yes. What, what verse did I give you? Ah, it's 17 that I wanted. All right. Yes, I missed the one. For if, let's read 17. We'll get that up. All right. I told you, Ian, I could mess it up. This is not it yet. No, no, the mess is coming. Okay. That will do us fantastic. Just that verse there. If, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to come back to that verse in a minute, but I want to talk to us this morning about the fact that God has called us to reign in life. And there's a problem with that verse in our modern uh, um, culture, Christian culture, going on around the world. And I'll look at that in a minute, at what that problem is. But I wanted us to, re I wanted us to read that out first, so that you get that this is the Word of God. This is Paul writing to the Roman church and telling them that God has called them to reign in life. And so I feel like in the midst of Paul writing that and we come now 2,000 years later, I looked up that verse. I thought, I want to look up and see who else is preaching on this verse, who else is doing some message on this verse. And all I could find were extreme or deficient grace preachers or prosperity preachers. They are the only ones that I could find that actually, if you look, if you Google it, you look on YouTube, they're the only ones that you'll find that are preaching on this verse. And I feel like the devil has actually done a, a number on the church by robbing the church of what this actual verse means. Because if you think about that, if it's those guys that are preaching this verse all the time, then we come out of that with a thinking that it's all about prosperity. It's all about how well we're doing in life and how successful we are and how many cars we've got or houses we've got or, you know, that's what reigning in life is. When you listen to their messages, that's what comes across. But I think about that and I think if, if, if you can put up that first slide, I think about that and I think if Jesus was measured by those standards, He did not reign in life. Jesus didn't even have his own donkey. When he was being led into Jerusalem, he had to borrow some dude's donkey. He didn't have his own donkey. He didn't have his own bank account. When it came time to pay his taxes, he had to send someone down to the fishing pond to get a fish. 
to get the money to pay the taxes. And I think about that and I think, man, how misled we've been in regards to what reigning in life is truly about. Because no one is going to stand up and say, Jesus didn't reign. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so for us, you know, even that, you think about Jesus, the Bible talks about, had no place to lay his head. He didn't even own a pillow. I mean, when I come to South Africa, there's a place called Lipsom, I think it's called, and they have these amazing pillows, free advertising. Um, <laughs> and I normally go home with one, it's so cool. Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. And so when we look at him and we look at the preaching that's going around, we think there's something missing, there's something wrong there. And I want to say, for our, I'm, I'm going to run through something very quickly, I hope, um, very quickly this morning, that is really a massive subject. But I thought about that, and I was looking at that, and I was thinking, well, if Jesus never had all that stuff, and you may not have all that stuff, and actually, that's probably a good thing. I think, Andrew, or someone said during the conference, it, uh, it's harder for a rich man. Because all that stuff can just get in the way of reigning in life. So here we've got all these preachers saying that that's part of the process of reigning in life. But actually, some of that's getting in the way. And God wants to bring us back to what truly reigning in life is. So I'm going to give you what I think reigning in life looks like firstly. And I'm going to do it very quick because we don't have time to dwell there. But that is from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. We're not going to read it because we don't have time. But I think that reigning in life looks more like the fruit of the Spirit outworking in you and me. I feel like reigning in life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, mercy. I feel like those things, uh, uh, when they're in our lives in increasing measure, that is us beginning to reign in life internally. Now, I think there's a reigning in life externally as well, though. I think that when we begin to reign in life internally, you know, I've just done this series earlier on in the year about the love of God, and, or about love, actually. And uh, that's not a movie, is it? <laughs> um, but I, I just, uh, we, we, our English language is so deficient with that one word. Because I don't even like using the word love anymore. Because it's just got so many wrong uh, uh, um, meanings to it in our culture and in our society. The Greek word there, most of you I'm sure will have heard. If not, this is free of charges also. Um, I'm a Greek scholar today. No, I'm not really. But um, is the word agape. And when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, when it talks about love never failing, the Greek word that it's using is agape. There are a number of Greek words that you could use for love, but Paul has chosen agape. And agape basically is not based around feeling, it's based around free will. It is your choice to love. So when you choose to love, that never fails. Oh, I feel so loving towards you. That may not work that well. But when you choose to love a saint who maybe has bruised you, who maybe has hurt you, who maybe has done something, when you choose to agape, your free will says, I'm going to love that person no matter what. That never fails. And we have to understand that. So I just think, I want to go through my Bible and just find wherever the word love is and find out which word 
the writer uses and change it because there's the two main ones that we'd know of in the New Testament are phileo, which talks about a brotherly love or a kindred spirit love, where we're where where we're of one heart, where we're where we're you know like I I love. Uh, uh, staying at Lorien and Tony's because it's just so cool and they're great people. And but that's not agape. Agape um, uh, has to contain something of a sacrificial love to it, where I sacrifice. Most of the love that the world knows has a hook in it. So I'll love you, Luke, in the hope that you'll do something back towards me. I'll give you, I'll be generous to you, hoping that I'll get something back. That's not agape. It's not even phileo. It's probably closer to something demonic than anything else. Because God gave his son without expecting anything back. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. He didn't need us. He gave because he loved and free will chose to love us. So anyway, I don't know why I got stuck on that point. But there's also joy. Carrie mentioned that, joy. I am normally, I'm, I'm a fairly jolly fellow. What a jolly old fellow is Marty. He gets in all manner of strife. Anyway, sorry. But I'm fairly joyful. But I want to say that that joy comes when, when, when we're walking in the Spirit of God. When we're being, Galatians is a book that is about being led by the Spirit of God. Actually, I, last time... I was uh, not here because you weren't here then, but I was at uh, City Vault. I preached a message about bookends. It's my only other message other than this one that I've got. So, um, so you got this one today. Um, but again, that bookends, again, was around the, the basis that actually they were encounters with Christ. They were encounters with the Holy Spirit. And I say as we grow internally, we're not, we're not choosing to love based on how people treat us, on what's happening externally. We're not choosing joy based on what's going on around us. Did we get to Disney World this year? Did we go skiing on the French Alps this year? Did we? No, they're not, they're not what our joy is based on. Our joy is based on the Holy Spirit working in us and what Christ has done for us. Can you say Amen. So I think for us, we have to understand and we have to come back to the fact that actually God has called us to reign in life, but it's not looking like what everyone's trying to say it is. It's actually looking like the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We are now not subject to the things that are going on externally around us, but what the Spirit of God is building, the strength that the Spirit of God is building inside of us. And so we, 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 we learn self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God coming into our lives and saying no, and we're going and we're agreeing with the Spirit of God. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, and so we are led by Him. There's a beautiful picture. I feel like the conference uh, was like this. There's a beautiful picture in the Scriptures. I saw it a few months ago when I was reading in the Old Testament where um, I think it was one of the kings had died, and they just he was a bad king. And so they wanted to get everything to do with this king out of their culture. And so what they did is they packed up everything. They got all the altars and they got all the false gods and everything like that. And they took them to this particular place. 
And that particular place was called the Brook Kidron. And if you look up that brook in the Scriptures, it's a place where uh, uh, often the Israelites would take things out of Jerusalem, take things out of the town, and they would go there and they would burn it all there at the Brook Kidron. And that place, that, the meaning of that means a dark, ashy place. I feel like, in a sense, we walked through some of that in the conference that we were just at, where, where God took us through. But I love this. Listen to this. This is now John chapter 18, where the book, the Brook Kidron gets mentioned in the New Testament. It says, uh, in, in, I don't know, did I give you this? No, sorry. So, if you've got your Bibles... Um, uh, try and stick with me but it says when Jesus had spoken these words he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron now all the Israelites knew what that place was that's where they toasted demons that's where they toasted demonic influence into their culture and then it says uh, where there was a garden folks when Christ takes us through the burning process, when He takes us through us letting go of sin, when He takes us through our repentance, when He takes us through that, He takes us through that brook, He takes us through a dark, ashy place, but on the other side of that, there is a garden. God takes us into a garden, and it goes on, it says there, which His disciples had entered. Listen to this, it says, now Judas, who betrayed Him, also knew the place. He'd been through the garden, He'd been through the process. He'd gone through the brook Kidron. Jesus had tried to lead him, just as he tried to lead the other 11, through the processes of repentance, through the processes of letting things go. He'd, he'd tried to take him through, and he, he tried to take him into the garden that was on the other side of that, but Judas never made it. But I feel like for us in the conference, God took us through, and we made it to the other side. And I want to talk about the garden this morning, the fact that the garden is where we reign, the garden is where the goodness of God is, the gar- I love the goodness of God in the land of the living. Can you turn to someone next to you and say, that's, a good, that's good news. And so I wanted to preach, I wanted to teach this message on the fact that reigning in life looks different because it's been hijacked. And we need to bring it back to the fact that we can reign in life. We can love where nobody else loves. We can have joy, we can have peace, we can have self-control, we can have goodness and kindness. When everybody else is turning darker, we should be turning lighter. And that is because the kingdom of God is reigning. Jesus is reigning in our lives. And we get authority and power. And then I want to say, I'm not even, this is just, oh my goodness, this isn't even my message yet. Um, but then I want to say this, that, that once we get those things working internally, there's an external reigning that comes, that we now begin to be able to speak into circumstances. We be, begin to be able to speak into uh, culture and change culture. We, we, we're not here to be, you know, we're not here to rescue the kingdom culture. The church isn't here to like, oh man, we're just going to hold on to the kingdom culture and just hope that it survives while the rest of the world goes dark. No, we're here to bring the culture of the kingdom to the world and change the world in which we live. And I feel like Milneton, Milneton Congregation is going to be a place that changes the culture. It's going to change the people around and about you. It's not, but we have to understand that reigning in life is both internal before, well, I think it's internal before it becomes external. Because we can't be double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
We have to be fixed on, and I think that thing, fixed on following the Spirit of God because He will always lead us into fruitfulness. He will make us a fruitful garden. So we get out of heart. Jesus was a man of sorrows and despised. Didn't look like reigning, but He reigned. In Colossians 2 verse 8, did I give you that one? Thank you, Jesus. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So in other words, if we want to look at what reigning looks like, we have to look at Jesus. We can get these people that are teaching this other stuff, and it's getting proliferated around the world in the church, but did that look like Jesus? Is that how Jesus reigned? Because if we're looking at if we if we're looking at, we have to bring everything back and through him and say yes, Jesus reigned in a different way. He 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 was successful. Yeah, Paul when he writes and he says, "I've learned what it means uh, uh, to be content in all my circumstances, whether in need or in plenty." That's reigning. It's it, it's not based on what's happening externally, it's based on knowing Christ and living out and walking by the Spirit of God. And so God is raising up a church that is going to change the world. When we get this right, we say, God, you reign, I want you to reign in me and then through me. You know, there were people at the conference that were uh, delivered from demonic oppression and I love when Jesus sends out the disciples they come back man they are celebrating because even the demons were subject to them in his name and Jesus said oh don't worry about that here's something even better to celebrate your name is written in heaven that's pretty cool and uh anyway oh my lord oh my lord 2 Timothy 2 verse 12, the first part says, If we endure, we will also reign with Him. It goes on, if we deny Him, He will also deny us. But I just love the first part. Let's just stick with that now. (laughs) You want to deny Him and walk through that? I don't ever want to do that, Lord. God's faithful, hey? He's such a faithful God. I have walked with Him for like 34 years now. 34 years I've been in Christ. I actually was leading a youth group six months after getting saved. Stupidest thing anyone ever did, but anyway. Because it was like I was so young, I didn't know what I was doing, but God. But God. And uh, I don't know how I got onto that. Um, Oh, this is what I want to say here. See, part of the problem... Part of the problem with when we hear bad teaching on reigning in life or bad teaching on whatever is we have a tendency to want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. When actually, you know, even like you think about the rainbow and it's just been robbed, but it's a promise to us that God would never destroy the world in that way again. And I find it amazing that here is this group of people that are really flaunting their sinful and evilness before God with the rainbow. Saying, well, you're never going to destroy us that way again. That's your, you know, I don't think they understand that, but the devil does. The devil, I think, you know, put that rainbow and said, you know, we have to claim back. We don't just let go. We don't just stop. Oh, we're not going to reign in life anymore. We're not going to take the Bible where it says reign in life anymore. We're going to put that aside because someone else has abused it. 
Someone said once, no, the, the, the right thing to do is uh, with misuse is not no use, but correct use. We have to correct the Scriptures. We have to correct what God is saying. We have to correct those things and live in those things and live in... Otherwise, we are lesser for it. If we avoid what other people have hijacked, what other preachers, what other ministers have hijacked and given a wrong understanding to it. No, we're meant to redeem those things. We're meant to bring them back into the church and actually say, no, 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 they've got, or there is a wrong understanding of it and we want to live in that right understanding. Because to us, whether it be the rainbow or whether it be raining in life, all the promises of God find their yes in Him. So we don't want to lose anything, man. I want all of them. It's like, give me everything. Don't leave me shortchanged. Josh's wife, Chantal, when she was a kid, her dad, I knew her when she was like this high. I was about that high. No, I wasn't really. But um, Her dad gave her a packet of jelly beans. And she was like, are they all mine? And he said, yes, they're all yours. And then I think someone ate one or something like that. And she got most upset <laughs> because they're all mine. And I think like we have to be someone in a sense like that. We don't want someone to take our jelly beans. We don't want someone to take our promises. No, God, they're all mine in Christ Jesus. They are all for us in Christ Jesus. And we begin to live out that fruit. All right. Amen. shared this last week at uh, Edgemead and it's n it wasn't recorded because it was so bad I think they deleted the recording. Um, so I'll make sure, is it being recorded? Oh good, okay. Edgemead, you can listen to this. Um, but it uh, was one of those, what do they call those things? Load shedding, that's right. Yeah, remember I'm meant to be going back to Australia much lighter with all this forced load shedding. Um, you can't reign in life your way. You have to follow the Spirit of God. We have to follow the Spirit of God. A great mantra in society now is Frank Sinatra's, I did it my way. And I always like to look at the people that I'm following and see, are they worth following? What did their life end up like? Frank Sinatra tried to commit suicide multiple times. On his deathbed, his very last words were, I'm losing. I know on my deathbed, I want my last words to be, I'm winning. <laughs> I have run the race. I have fought the fight. Uh, you know, that's what I want as my last words. So we have to be careful who we follow. So I want to say this number, well, this is a number. I'll give you a number, number one. And whether we get to any other numbers, that'll be interesting. Number one, to reign in life, you need to spend well. Spend your time, spend your, your treasures well. If we can look up Revelation chapter 12, I love it when we go to Revelation. It's like a book that hardly ever comes out. I think Andrew actually <laughs> brought this passage of Scripture out uh, through the week. Um, Revelation 12 verse 9. Did I give you that? Oh, Martin. Okay, I'm not going to give, don't worry about it. But it's the story there of where there's a woman who's about to give birth and a dragon comes along. 
and that dragon. So I've actually entitled this section really, uh, uh, Chasing the Dragon's Tail or Following the Dove. And the dragon's tail, do you know what chasing the dragon means? Does anyone, do you know the meaning of that phrase? It's a drug-related term. It's about getting the next high. Uh, it's about, you know, chasing the dragon is, and I just think, I, I think it's amazing how often the world takes on a, a phrase and a saying that is actually something that happens in the spiritual realm where the enemy tries to get us addicted to something and chase after that thing, whether it be money, goods or drugs or whatever it may be, he tries to get us to chase his tail. And so he, in, in that uh, uh, passage of scripture, the woman is about to give birth to something. I think personally, the woman represents the church. And so the woman is about to, the church is about to give something to birth to something new. And in the midst of that, uh, uh, the, uh, the, um, the devil comes along in, in that form of a dragon, and it says that it is the devil, comes along and tries to snatch out what God is trying to birth. And if we aren't careful with what we've got, careful with what God has given us, the devil will try and make that thing the goal. He'll try and make that thing, that, that'll be the thing that we chase after, when actually God has called us to chase after Him, chase after His Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying today? What are you doing today? What do you want me to do today? What do you want me, you know, someone asked us last night, I think it was Ian, asked me last night, um, what did I come away from the conference with or what are, what's one of the main things? One of the main things that I came away from the conference with for us back in Australia is actually just something really simple. It's hospitality. Because I've seen the power of hospitality, thanks to Tony and Lorian and many others. <laughs> the fact that, that good hospitality opens the door to changing people's lives. And there's so many messages through this conference that I think we need to work that into the church and we need to work that into the church. But I'm telling you now that for me, for us, that thing of hospitality is like how we're going to work it into the church. It's not, it's not always going to happen from the pulpit. It's going to happen from homes, being in people's lives. And so I'm just like walking away with that. And so then I'm like thinking, well, how do we change our home to become more hospitable? Carrie Ann's laughing. Um, it's always something like that, isn't it, Carrie Ann? Like, but to become more hospitable. And I feel like whatever it is, everything that we do, the homes that we live in, are we living with them with the kingdom in mind? Are we chasing after the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, we want not just ourselves to reign in love, joy, peace. We want to bring that to others. How do we bring that to others, Lord? And we can't do it if we're chasing the dragon's tail, wanting a bigger home, a better home, just for the sake of a bigger or a better home. But if it's for something that we want to do for the kingdom, then God, open a way, make a way open. Um, all right, that's chasing the dragon or the dove. I want to say if you chase the dragon, you'll get burnt. You'll always get burnt. But if you chase the dove, you'll catch fire. I want to catch fire. I want to be on fire for Jesus. You want to be on fire for Jesus? Just for a moment, just close your eyes. Say, Lord, I just want more. I want more of you, Lord. Holy Spirit, won't you come? Won't you come and breathe into this place? 
Oh, let your fire. Lord Jesus, you said that you will baptize us with the Spirit and fire. The two are connected. Holy Spirit, bring that fire into our bones that we might not get burnt, but that we may catch the world on fire. For you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. All right. So you reign in life by following the right leader, the dove. You reign in life by being in the right place. We were with, um, when, is this, what time? What time do you normally finish? Or what time do I finish? Five minutes, two minutes, I can do it. No, we don't. <laughs> I said the same thing when I was at uh, Edgemead last week, and then I said, no, 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 I, I've, I've learned now. I need to ask the people at the back. How much longer do I have? <laughs> um, the people at the front, you, so hopefully you'll move to the front. Be more, more, more. Actually, I don't know you, then the black jumper there, you with the glasses on, that's right. You know exactly, last row, man at the backpack, actually, T-shirt, T-shirt, black T-shirt, you, yeah. God is going to put something on your life. I, I, I saw that you were a man of stature in the natural, but God wants to do that in the spiritual. He wants to actually strengthen you and make you a, a pillar. Maybe in this house, I don't know if you're a part of this church, I, I, a pillar in this house. Um, and so just to be pressing into him and, and knowing that he's got something more for you. He, he has something more for you. What's your name? Matimba. Oh, it's like Martin. <laughs> With a bah on the end. <laughs> what a great name. Just walk in what he has for you. It'll be so fruitful. You need to be in the right place when you reign. I don't know if I've shared this story here before, but I was like at an athletic day. You can see how athletic I look, right? And, and, um, and I was running. My, my races were the 100 meter and the 200 meters. I was quite fast. Um, I think I ran... Uh, uh, low 11s or maybe even under 11 once but um, so I was quite fast and uh, anyway I think in, the, in our uh, regional championships I came I won I can't even remember now because it's not something that I hold on to that much but I won either the 100 and came second in the 200 or vice versa I can't remember I think I actually won the 200 and came second in the 100 and uh, and then um, my friend a friend of mine Philip he was running in the 400 but he had made it into the high jump final. And so he actually said, hey, you run in the 400. I'm like, okay, I've never run the 400 before. I said, how do you run it? And this is in like, like not just, this is now in a, a, you know, like a regional small group of schoolings. I can't remember, maybe five or six. And then from that, you go to the States, uh, state championships. And so he said, I, I said, what are you doing? And he said, like, like, I've drawn lane eight, you know, it's like, uh, that's a bad lane. <laughs> Um, it's way out there. You think you're winning all the time, and maybe you're not. Um, and he said, he said, oh, just, just run as hard as you can, as, as far as you can, you know. So I'm like, well, because you're out front, you don't know, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Oh, man, I got down to the 100-meter mark left, and I, my legs were like cement. They were just, I'm like straining. I actually won the race because I was so far ahead of everyone else by that point. <laughs> that no one could catch me. I pretty much crawled across the line. 
and found the closest bucket I could <laughs> when I got across the line. And then, because of that, I, I, I like made the states. And, uh, and my friend said, oh, you should pull out. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean, man? I just beat all these guys, you know? And he goes, no, no, you should pull out, you know? No, nah, I'm going. So I rock up, you know, in my, do you know Dunlop KT26s? Like the cheapest pair of runners you could get in the day. I had a pair of like canvas shorts and this singlet thing and, and I rock up there. And, the, you know, like I'm like 5'11". And I rock up there and I'm like, seriously, the next person uh, 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 in my height range would have been about 6'3". Everybody else was six foot three to six foot five. These tall, lanky guys with spiked shoes and you know silk shorts, and I'm looking at these guys going, "I feel like David and Goliath," <laughs> but I don't know if the Lord's with me on this one. <laughs> and so anyway, the gun goes bang. So I think I'll do the same thing, and I'm like running, 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 and I'm coming around the last bend, and I'm still doing all right. And then everyone just the whole other seven people just go. Phew past me and I'm like okay I'm in the wrong race I did something quite embarrassing I stepped off of the actual track and just mingled with the crowd <laughs> for us to win the race we have to be in the right one we have to know to reign in life. We have to know what has God called us to. What's our position in the church? Where does God want it? Every, there is, in the body of Christ, there is something for everyone. And we just have to find that place, that sweet spot. You know, since um, coming into connecting again with 412, there's a long story there and I just don't have time, but... Coming in and co connecting with 412, we used to be connected with a group called NCMI. Some of you may know them, uh, an apostolic movement. We came out of that just because of things were getting messy. And we, we ended up being about 12 years, I think it was, uh, running pretty much as an independent church on our own. And I knew right from the beginning that God never intended churches to run on their own. He intended them to run in partnership with apostolic ministry. And so... What, what we found is like that people just were getting tired all the time and I had lost confidence to preach certain things because I felt like I didn't have this backing. And so then I, you know, like, so we were just like in this 12-year period of just maintenance mode, just, you know, like find the next high almost in the church sense, you know, like what's the next high? And we just grabbed onto this thing and that thing and the other thing and signs and wonders or the extreme grace, whatever we could grab a hold of that we thought might help. We had guys come through the church, uh, world-renowned, we had a world-renowned guy come through the church that's not too popular in 412, so we won't say his name. Um, <laughs> but none of it was helping. It was all like a short high, just chasing the dragon's tail, even in a church sense, that was not actually giving us anything, building us. And so when we found 412, again, and just again, it's just a sign of when we find the place that God has given to us or destined us to be, we actually gain authority. Have you ever th thought about the fact that the centurion, when he comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, hey, you know, can you uh, uh, um, heal my servant? 
Uh, and Jesus said, no worries, let's go. Let's rock it out, you know, we're going to your place, you know. And the centurion says, no, 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 no. Just, you don't need to come to my place. I'm a man under authority, you're a man. I, I, how did he know that? How did he know, how did the centurion figure that one out? Because Jesus is doing all these signs and what, he was able to see that Jesus was under the Father. And whenever we come under right authority, it adds authority. You want authority? Come under authority. Be in the right. You'll begin to reign when you come under authority. And so for me, when I came back under authority, under the thing that God, it's like now I've got all this authority back. And like, honestly, I led the church for a number of years thinking like, what am I doing? I remember before we even connected with 412, looking out at our church and going, I don't even like this place. Truth, this is a, I'm not exaggerating. Carrie Ann will back me up on this. I looked out, I thought, this is just like carnal people gathering together, doing what they want to do. And I stood there, I remember standing there one Sunday and just looking out and going, Lord, I, I may not have that many more years left. And I'm looking out here going, I, I don't want to leave the planet with having left it, this church looking like this. Because it's not godly, it's not right, it's not. And so I decided from that point on, I said, no, we're going to change some things in the life of the church and, and we're going to lose some people over the next little while. And that was maybe about a year or so before we connected with 412. And that happened, we lost some people. But then when we reconnected, there was just a greater level of authority. And now we could speak the same thing, but it came with greater authority and people received it with greater authority and less people left. So now we went from 10 people down to seven people doing all right. We've held firm now. No, 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 I'm joking. <laughs> but being in the right place in where God has called you to be under the right authority will help you reign in life. It will give you authority that you never thought was available to you. It's an amazing biblical principle that this centurion looks at Jesus and goes, now, there's no way this guy's doing this on his own. I'm like, really? He looks at Jesus and comes up with that conclusion? But he saw a man. He knew that there was something, uh, there was an authority outside of this world that was operating through this man. And so he must have been subject to that authority. And we need to have that realm upon our lives if we want to reign come under authority. Amen? Amen. Um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. I don't know if you've got that one. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Poor Lorian, you're doing an amazing job. Um, by the grace, Paul writing, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not me, but the grace of God that was in me. If you want to bear fruit, to reign in life, do it in the grace that God has given you, in the position that God has given you. Uh, uh, Romans 12 verse 3, uh, Paul writes and says there, um, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think 
of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. He's given you, me, every single one of us a measure of faith for the function, the role that we are to have in the body. And it's an amazing thing. Actually, if you look at this verse, and I'm still trying to figure it out, in the original Greek, the words of himself aren't included. It's been added in uh, to make it a little bit more understandable to us. But it's not just about ourselves. It's about thinking more highly, you know, even with knowledge and understanding. It's like, so if we take those words out, it says, to everyone among you, not to think more highly than he ought to think. That's the original Greek in there. And it's like, well, sometimes we can get puffed up with knowledge. And Paul's also writing, hey, don't let that thing be the thing either. Just be humble, uh, 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 be under, and let God give you the authority. And let, and let the authority that you come under add weight to you. Amen. All right, come on. Um, so connected to the apostolic brought that back in. It stopped us from flatlining, a loss of confidence. It, I am the happiest pastor you will meet now. <laughs> Moses was the humblest. <laughs> I'm the happiest. Because I'm in the zone, you know, like I'm in where God has destined me to be. I'm just like, this is just so cool, you know. People ask me, are you enjoying leading? I am loving it right now. But I want to say like five, six, seven years ago, I was not loving it. It was hard work, a hard slog. Actually, when Brad Verena came and started ministering into Impact, he said to us, you need to start small groups again because you can't disciple people without small groups. And I'm like, no, we don't. And he's like, yes, you do. And I'm like, no, you don't. And that went on for 12 months. (laughs) Have you thought more about small groups? Yes, no. (laughs) It went on and I was just like, at the end of 12 months, I just thought, we cannot do this without small groups. Brad was right again. And we started small groups. And like one of the reasons why we didn't want to do it before, we didn't know the reason for them. We didn't have a purpose for them. We just thought, well, churches just have small groups. You know, it's like, that's what they do. And we didn't have purpose. But now we know that the purpose is to be in one another's lives, to bring through the gospel, to make sure that what we're hearing is actually being outworked in our lives. And so I encourage you to be in a small group because even me saying this right now, if you respond and you're not in a small group right now and you respond and you say, okay, I need that. I need to have Christ formed in my life and that can happen in that place. If you say yes to that, you're sort of coming under an authority and God will add to you because of that. And it's not my authority because I'm sure Ian would stand up here and say the same thing. Would you not? But better? No. I need to wind up. Even in being in the right place, this here in Revelation chapter 1, did I give you that one? Revelation 1, verse 5 to 6. It says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What a wonderful scripture. In the midst of that, he has made us a kingdom and priests. Some versions say kings and priests. Looking in the original Greek, I see the word monarch in there, so it definitely includes that as well. But, and king, what do kings do? They reign. 
If Christ has called us to reign, there is something of that on our lives. But at the same time, too, I just want to come back up here and just go a kingdom of priests. You're a priest. Peter tells us we are a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of Him who brought us out of darkness and into His glorious light. That's you. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you look pretty royal. We have to understand that, you know, like sometimes we get this thing in our Christian thinking, yes, Jesus is high, but so are his sons, daughters, brothers, sisters. He has raised us up, we've been raised up, we've been seated together with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. That's darn good news. And so he has made us a kingdom of priests. I just want to tell you, in the Old Testament, you you think, what does a priest do? How do I be, if Dudley Daniel and New Covenant, and I'm sure you've heard it in these settings too, that we are uh, uh, the priesthood of all believers. You've heard that phrasing? Yes? No? Priesthood of all believers. We are the priesthood of all believers. So in that... In that, I want to give you three main things. There's many more that the priest did. Three main things. One, priests were ordained by God to offer sacrifices. We offer a sacrifice of praise. You've been, you, you're to offer sacrifices. You know, God wrote to, uh, oh, sorry, God spoke to Isaiah and said, who will stand in the gap for me? And Isaiah said, here am I. You are a priest in the kingdom, and you've been called to offer sacrifices of praise and prayer and stand in the gap for your families, for your friends, for your neighborhoods, for your communities. That's every believer's role. And when you begin to stand in that, you'll begin to reign in life. The other thing that priests were were to do is to teach the law. They were to teach the answer is Jesus. Remember, the whole Old Testament was to point towards Christ. And so you, God has called you, Is there anyone in here that doesn't have a mouth? (laughs) I'll just wait a little bit longer. Maybe God is tugging on your heart. No. Every single one of us has a mouth. The scripture says, out of the mouth of babes, God has ordained praise. You don't have to be the guy standing up the front here. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be over the age of seven. Every single one of us, God has called as a priest in the kingdom to declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness. Priests, here's another thing. Every single one of us needs to be involved in this. Priests determined who was sick in the community and what to do with them in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a shadow, it's a picture of the new. We, we look at the old and we go, okay, something happened there in the old, there's something of a reflection of what's meant to happen in the new. And so in the old, the priest, people were brought to the priest and the priest would determine what was wrong with them and what they should, would do about, uh, and what they should do about it. In the New Testament, and even then, we've got doctors And they can determine what's wrong with people. But let me tell you this, doctors cannot determine what is spiritually going on in someone's life. 
And you as a priest, we, you know, we carry one another's burdens. We carry one another. We, we submit to one another. We, if you want to reign in life, start carrying your brothers and sisters around you. Step into, this is just a symbol. There's so many roles that we can step into, but this is one for every believer. We step into that role in your community group, in this church. Hey, I haven't seen so-and-so. How are they doing? I wonder how they're doing. Lord, and you begin, even if you don't ring them or whatever, but maybe you should, you pray for them. And you ask God, God, what's going on in their life? How can I add to them? How can I encourage them? It's not Ian's job. It's not uh, uh, um, Nadine's job or someone else. It's our job together. We are the body of Christ together. You know, someone said it on the weekend, uh, 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 during the week about the hand that was going like this. And I love that picture. It was an amazing picture. Like if, I, if my hand's going like this the whole time, the whole time you're focused on my hand. So when we're not functioning properly, when something's going wrong in our body, that becomes the center of attention. But actually when everything is functioning properly, you focus on the head. And so when we all begin to focus pro uh, to function properly in the body, then who gets the glory? Jesus, the head of the body. And so I want to encourage you to step into that, to begin to say, God, I want to be in the position that you have called me to. Um, I don't have the verse here, but Paul writes and he says, to, I'm going to finish with this, let's stand. Paul writes and he says um, in the Bible, I think, I think maybe Corinthians, and he said, he, he talks there, he says that, 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 that um, I think he says that God has made them kings. And then he says, would that they should rule. The, the implication is that they weren't ruling, but would that they should rule. And then he said, because then we could rule with you. When other people aren't living in their God-given calling, we affect those around and about us. Even to an apostle like Paul saying to the point, when you guys aren't ruling with us, our rule is diminished. But when we rule together, then there is a greater effect. I, I, I will find that scripture and I will send it to somebody. Um, <laughs> Father, we just thank you. Lord, we don't want to, Lord God, throw away... God, any promise that you've given us, we don't want to despise, you know, your word talks about not despising prophecy, how much more despising your promises in your word. Uh, we want to lay a hold of those things and I thank you, Lord, that in this room right now, God, there is an army that is rising. There is, Lord God, armor that is being put on and that there is a gathering together of the saints to march through the land and see your kingdom come, to see the lame walk and the blind see, God, to, Lord, as we begin to reign in our own personal lives, in our inner man, that inner man will work outward. What's inside the temple, the river that flows into the temple will flow out from the temple and it will bring life to our streets, life to the people around and about us. And so, Lord, we surrender to you and we say, Lord, have your way in us. 
Have your way in us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to chase the dragon's tail. Lord, we want to chase the dove. We want to follow the dove. We don't want to get burnt. We want to catch on fire. We want, Lord God, your presence and your power to be over us as your people, God, that we would bring the kingdom, that we would, Lord God, be messengers of hope, messengers of, of deliverance, messengers, Lord God, of, of salvation to our nations, Lord. Thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you for your word that is so powerful. Let it be alive in us, God. Lord, we take a hold of that, Lord. We won't let, Lord God, the misuse of Scripture, the misuse of theology mean that we, won't, we don't use it. We will bring it into correct use, and we will stand in it, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good to us. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you lift your hands and just worship Him. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh. Yeah, I want to say this. There may be someone here and you've never, you know, all of this, all, everything that I've been talking about, about being able to reign in life, comes down to that being under authority. And whose authority are you under? Because if you aren't under Christ's authority first, you will never be able to reign in life. You will be controlled by your passions and your desires. You will chase the dragon day after day after day, and you will constantly get burnt. Jesus is the only one in Revelation, later on in the book of Revelation, that dealt with the dragon. He brought that thing down. He brought the demonic down and he crushed it. He, he, he brought his power and his kingdom out. And for you, if you are here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, you will never beat that dragon without him. But you will beat it with him. He will walk with you. But to come to him, you need to say, Lord, I have lived outside of you. I have not had you as my Lord. Lord, I have not had you as my Savior, and today I want that to be the day. I give the reins of my life over to you, because only being led by you, by your presence, am I going to be able to reign in life. And so I want to say, if that's you here today, you've never asked Jesus into your life, you've never given Him the reins of your life, can you put your hand up now, just quickly, and we will pray with you and for you. Is there anyone here you haven't done that before? I'm just asking, if you you've done it before, you know, you can come, you may have wandered away and drifted away and actually the dragon may have enticed you out of the kingdom and out of the, the purposes of God. You can come back today and you can say, Lord, I afresh give my life to you. Is there anyone here that you've never done that before? Or you want to come back to Christ right now? You just raise up your hand so that I can see it. I don't know everyone here. I don't know if you're all a part of this church. Um, but I, I, I don't want to leave this place thinking you could have come into a relationship with the greatest of all, with Jesus Christ today. I don't want to leave here. If you're here, you, you feel this pulling on your heart. You're like, oh man, I need this. I want this. But there maybe just put your hand up. Just put your hand up. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Well, I don't know you all, like I said, but if you haven't done that and you didn't do that then, nor do you, no, not really, but you can do that. You can grab a hold of someone in the life of this church and you can actually ask them, say, hey, I didn't do it then, but I want to do it now. There is only one name given under heaven by which men can be saved. That's Jesus, the living God. Amen.
And the rest of you, I just want to see fruit. God wants to see fruit. And when we get those things in order, fruit will come. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for putting, uh, well, not putting up with me, for listening to me today. Ian, hand back to you. I don't know if you want to do anything or not, or, who, or the host, leader. One, two. How amazing was that? How cool is that? So, as I've, as I've mentioned before and as we did last week, when we have people with us that are guests, we want to take up an honorarium. And so I do want to remind you guys that there is that, and, and we shared it, and I'll put it on the group again. But what I felt to do right now is to call up all the 412 visitors. You guys can all come to the front. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's <laughs> Matthew trying to be subtle. I believe we've got like the whole of Australia covered here. Yeah. Hey? 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 It's some kind of like Commonwealth collection. And then I want to call up all the rest of you because like, like Marty was saying, no, you guys come make a line. Make a line. Don't, don't stand there. Come to the front. Come to the front. Come, Josh. Don't be shy. I'm going to ask the rest of you, if we can all come forward and just come and pray, come and lay on hands. If you've got something prophetic you want to share, you can come and share it with them. But if you just want to pray for an encouragement over them, then that's awesome. But I really just want to, I want to say thank you to you guys for coming to us. You know, it's really hard for South Africans to see the world. The exchange rate doesn't help us. <laughs> but you know, then God made this thing called 412 just, just so that we can see the world at home. So thank you to each of you for coming to us, for making the the way and we just want to say thank you so so let's all just come and lay on hands come and come and get stuck in guys but i just want to say thank you father god for each one of these men and women god i want to thank you god that you have called us as your body not just little bodies all over the place but as your body across the world to shine your glory and so i want to pray right over each each person here that that as they head back to where they call home god that they will impact the people that they are encountering on that side that they will take back with them something of what you've put into them here god so i want to thank you for their sacrifice i want to thank you for their generosity in coming to be with us this time god thank you lord
Cool. So for those of you that aren't so busy with the prayer time, I'm going to close the meeting there officially. There is tea and coffee, so please don't, don't rush off. Hang out with us, and uh, thanks for coming.